We're going to continue with our series on the Psalms, and I want to just remind you what it is we're doing this summer. We're focusing on the Psalms as the songbook of God's people, as a guide and as an example to expand how we relate to God. And one of the things that we've decided to do uh, is bring in some guest speakers because some of the types of the Psalms are less familiar to us than others. And so, um, so those include Psalms like we'll look at this morning, the Psalms of Lament. Uh, it includes the imprecatory Psalms, which are Psalms where uh, someone in pain is crying out for God to bring judgment on those who oppose them. It includes the wisdom psalms, which we just don't really know what to do with because wisdom isn't really a category of modern life. And so in all of those places, we've invited guest teachers to come and share. And this morning, we have the privilege of having uh, Dan Huey with us, uh, who is a part of Grace Presbyterian Church, which is a uh, not just an old friend of our church, but one of our predecessors, one of, the, uh, one of the places where God has been at work here in Capitol Hill for a long time before we got started. He and his wife, Renee, Renee's here as well, uh, operate an organization right here in Capitol Hill called Soul Care Seattle, which both provides space for led prayer retreats uh, as well as spiritual direction um, and so I've asked Dan to come and help us to, um, to understand this category of lament and grow in our ability to bring even our sorrows and our sadness into God's presence. So let's welcome Dan this morning. Uh, I guess I don't need this. It's a joy. <laughs> It is a gift to be here. Let's pray together. Holy Father, you are so generous, so kind, so loving. Even in these days where we don't often feel your presence, you are here. Send your spirit to remind us of that truth. We thank you for the book of Psalms. We thank you for what it teaches us about you, what it teaches us about ourselves, what it teaches about our relationship together with you. So Lord, as I speak, I pray that you would just flow through me and that this would be a gentle watering of this congregation. Just one little um, drop of water that leads to its flourishing. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I was so blessed by the music this morning. Uh, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings is one of my favorite songs, and I don't know if you all knew that, probably not. But it was a gift to me, so thank you. And um, here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. So for me, we were able to be with you for a little bit last, last summer as well. Um, and then over the course of the year, I've gotten to know Justin Moore and a few of you. Um, Calvary's to Renee and myself are very special. Uh, we met at Calvary Fellowship 28 years ago and we were married there 25 years ago in June. Uh, but it literally is the place of my Ebenezer. It really is the place where by God's grace, he sought me out and brought me back to him. And so it always has a special place in my life. And today we get to talk about, um, what are we talking about? We're talking about lament. 
And, you know, lament, you can't talk about lament without talking about suffering. And um, one of the things that I think is kind of a struggle oftentimes in our life is that we tend to want to avoid the struggle. Uh, we want to kind of come to Jesus thinking that that's going to make life right. Uh, and it does, uh, in part, kind of like meeting together in person brings us all together, and yet there is this shield here, right? There still is a distance of brokenness. So in my life, I had a great deal of suffering, and I, I can go into it at length, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, I just grew up as uh, someone who identified as gay, uh, same-sex attracted, uh, LGBT, and I grew up in the church, and the church was not a place where I could find safety. It wasn't a place where I could find healing. It wasn't a place where I could find love. Well, I could, but it was always very conditional love, right? And so that further just uh, tore me into different pieces. Um, then after we got married, uh, Renee and I went through four years of infertility, and that was its own struggle, its own sense of feeling lost, kind of cast off, abandoned. And there's more struggles that I could share. Each of you have your own struggles. Each of you have your own pain that you have endured. And it's not a race to try to figure out who's had most pain. Pain is pain, right? It leaves us with that sense of being separated and alone. But it's through that sense of being lost, through that pain, that we actually learn how to talk to God. It's a place where all of a sudden, where we find that there can actually be great beauty in that language of lament. So as I talk about suffering and I talk about a beauty of lament, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about a sense of glossing over pain, right? But what I do hope to show is that in the, in the Psalms of lament, that God gives us a language, a way of relating to him that not only keeps us in relationship during our suffering, but also helps us to understand his love for us. So we'll do this with the help of Psalm 88. Now, I, I believe that y'all mostly have Bibles here. Um, I didn't make a slide for it or didn't ask Matt to make a slide. But we're going to use Psalm 88. And Psalm 88 is the lament of laments. It's the lamentiest of them all. Um, and you'll get a feel as for why um, as we read through it. So let's read together. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to shale. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. 
Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, I cry to you in the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me altogether. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Now, at Grace, after someone reads the scripture, the lector will say the word of the Lord, and the congregation responds, thanks be to God. And it's always funny when you stumble across one of these psalms, because you're like, really? Thanks be to God. How? Why? Why? <laughs> what? what of this makes sense to my life? You know, in some regards it does, but those are the parts that we don't really want to think about when we're praying. But the weird thing about it is, is that the book of Psalms, which is the prayer book of God's people, 40% of the book of Psalms are laments. And so it's very interesting. It's very interesting if, the, if it's the prayer book of God's people. And as um, prayer is the, um, the way of relating with God. So it's uh, Teresa of Avila says that prayer is nothing more than being in relationship with God. So if the prayer book is 40% of, of um, if the prayer book is 40% lament and the prayer book is the way of relating with God, then it stands to reason that much of our prayer needs to be about getting in touch with our suffering and bringing it to the Lord. So our prayers need to be both praise and lament. But what is lament? Lament is a language, it is a prayer, it is a way of relating to God in honesty without editing. The interesting thing about that is if you're going to pray without editing, then we need to sort of see our lives without editing as well. If we are bringing our complaints before the Lord, then we are bringing a grievance with the Lord. We're bringing that part of any relationship that has conflict. So just like in the relationships that you all have with each other, your relationships with your family, your relationship with at work, you have conflict there. Well, we have conflict with the Lord as well. And the Psalms give us the wording of how to phrase that conflict. And all of that conflict comes from those places that we know are not right. right? What we know is not right, that this is a temporary need right here, but it's not right that people are separated by glass. So by way of illustration, a little bit of something about me. I have eaten ice cream every day since high school. And I do this uh, routinely. I will go to the freezer, and I don't get a lot. I just get one or two bites. Um, it is my way of soothing myself. It's a way of calming. 
makes me feel good. And it's that last moment right before going to bed. My wife can attest. She always wants me to do this earlier in the evening, but no, it's right before bed. And it's just my way of telling myself that the world's okay as I put my head on the pillow. Right. But what I'm doing is I'm not really going to the, to the freezer looking for ice cream. Like, yeah, I do want the soothing kind of creamy goodness of it. But what I really want is something that is much, much bigger, right? That is coming from a place of longing. And these longings that we have are common to all of us. Revelations 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The old order of racial injustice, the need for chop, mental illness, addiction, abuse, loneliness, the list goes on. Those things that leave us cast off, adrift, and alone, those things will be wiped away. But the problem is, is that as much as we long for that day, it is a longing. It is still in the future. And the conflict that we have with God is that we thought he was supposed to show up, right? We thought that he's present. Why is it still in the future? And there's a beautiful passage from Romans 5 that I think speaks to this. And in the message, um, it doesn't get any better than this. So... I've asked Matt to put together a slide for it. Um, And I think Lorenzo has it. But I'll just read it for you. Romans 5. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, you can begin to hear God's longing there for us. To set us right with him, to make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. I love that. You can see God's longing, his waiting, his wanting to be in union with us. And we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. And here's our longing. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall, shouting our praise. And there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. You see, our longing in trials is to know that God is present. And we're wondering what it is he will take ne- do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything that God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Again, God's longing for us. The picture is, is that we're longing, we're waiting, and he has promised he has opened his doors to us. And we're in those wide open spaces And yet we still have, as you can see in the text, that we have troubles, even though his door is open to us and our door is open to him. One way I like to think about it is trying to deal or drill down a little bit through what I'm experiencing in life to understand what that level of suffering is. 
because their suffering really isn't wants. Like, I can want ice cream, but that's not really suffering, right? Uh, if I don't get my ice cream, I might be angry or frustrating, or frustrated. But below that want is a layer of desire. And what I'm actually desiring is comfort and peace, right? That's where that creamy goodness comes in and tells me that I'm going to be okay. So that's why I want it. So we have the want of ice cream. We have the desire of comfort and peace. But even deeper than that is this longing for the world to be made right, right? And that's where our lament will come from is when we get in touch with our longings. So picture your life world. What are the things that you want on a daily basis? What are your go-tos? What are the things that get frustrating for you when you don't have them? What is it that you're desiring, that they're sort of, that you're needing that to be the band-aid for? And even lower than that, what is it that you're longing for? Where is it that you feel separated from God? Haman knew that separation from God, as we read in the text. Well, who was Haman? Haman was an, it was Haman the Ezraite that wrote the book of Psalms. He was a Levite. He was a musician. He was a seer, meaning that he had great wisdom. In First Chronicles, we read that he was appointed by King David. So he was known. He wasn't just your average psalmist out there. He was known by King David, appointed by him for prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. We can make up this man was an important man. Haman was a grandson of Samuel. He was wise. In 1 Kings, we read that Solomon, who was wisest of all, was actually noted as being wiser than Haman. So he's a wise man, he's a powerful man, he's a blessed man with a large family, he's got a place of position, and yet in the midst of it all, his life feels cast off from God. But what does he do with that sense of being cast off and alone? Let's look at verses one through three. He says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to shale. Remember, the Psalms are about relationships and this Psalm reminds us that he knows who God is. God is his Lord. God is other, God is more powerful. He is also the God of his salvation. So interestingly enough, if you're going to be saved, then the person saving you knows you, right? There's an intimacy involved in the way he sees God. And the way he sees himself is he sees himself as human, right? He's not expecting himself to be able to be in control of all these things. He has a Lord to direct his path. He has a God to be his provision. He has a savior to lift him out of his despair. So it's important that we know who God is. It's important that we know who we are, right? That we're human, that we can't possibly do this on our own. And that is the context of his relationship. And in that relationship, he engages the conflict. He says, let my cry come before you. This is Haman walking into the room and saying, we're now going to talk. It's all gonna come out. In conflict, we have a choice to either go to flight or go to fight. 
For many of us, and for Haman, flight might be just numbing ourselves to the pain, not wanting to see, not wanting to hear the stories of the other, right? This is something our nation, our culture is dealing with in bulk right now. We've done too much of avoiding the relationship with God and things that are uncomfortable with us. Well, now we get to do it. Flight might also include trying to manage things on our own. Anything that keeps us from going to the Lord in prayer in our suffering is flight. However, Haman does not choose flight. He doesn't bury his head. He doesn't stop seeing things for what they are. No, he goes to the Lord in prayer. He goes and brings his lament. Look at verses 5 and 6. He says, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. He's not afraid of conflict with the Lord. Right? The question is, is are we afraid of conflict with the Lord? If we really take an assessment of the things that are going on in our life, those things that are somehow caught in the world between what God has already done and what he has not yet done, the things that he's promised and the things that we're still waiting for, are we able to bring those things to him? He goes on in verse 6, You have put me in the depths of the pit. Haman's felt experience of God is that it is God who has left him to despair. That's his honest answer. And we can't have that honest answer in prayer, in relationship with God, unless we're willing to be bold with him unless we're willing, willing to be honest with what it is that we are feeling inside. So this beautiful response, depressing as it is from Haman, teaches us about our lives as God's beloved. Haman sees. Haman sees the world around him. He sees the situation that he is in, and he's able to name it for what it is. I want to urge us to see the things that are around us and to call them out, to be present to them, to not bury our heads, to not avoid, but to literally see them. And once we see them, can we let ourselves feel them, right? So much of a, like you could have like a head knowledge of the person or the one that you're in relationship with, but it's that bonding of the heart that really draws you together. Well, if we see the pain and the suffering around us and we just sort of keep it up here, then we're not really going to that place of bonding with the Lord, which takes place in our hearts. So we have to do the hard work, the scary work of letting our suffering move to our heart so that we can fully engage God in relationship. Haman says in verse 7, he says, your wrath. So he's feeling God's anger. Also in verse 7, he feels overwhelmed by God. In verse 12, he feels forgotten by God. Verse 14, he feels separated from God, as if his soul has been cast away, as if God is hiding. In verse 15, he says that uh, he suffers from God, that he is left helpless. He's letting himself use feeling words to connect his heart to the Lord in prayer. And again, as God's beloved, do we actually have the freedom to blame God? Can we talk to God with that sort of childlike innocence? 
like when your children are you know mad at you or you um you know they just have that freedom to just come in and just say like this is this is wrong or this is bad do we have that place in our relationship with God where we can blame God rightly or wrongly he is persistent in verse 9 he calls out to God and then in verse 13 he ups the ante he's crying out to God ultimately what it is is that Haman teaches us to trust our relationship with God Haman knows that God is sturdy do we know that God is sturdy do we believe that God can handle our blows Ultimately, at the end of the day, as God's beloved, we need to trust like Haman did, that we are still in relationship with God even when there's conflict, even when there's anger, even when there's pain, even when there's silence. You'll note that the, the weird piece about this psalm is that it doesn't resolve. It just leaves it hanging. Much like a lot of our suffering, it just leaves us hanging, right? But that relationship is still there. So are we safe enough with Lord, with God, are we safe enough in that relationship to bring our lament and just let it hang and just be with the Lord, trusting that relationship? So let me ask us, do we see rightly? Are we able to look at our lives? Can we name it? Can we feel it? Can we be bold? Will we choose to fight with God? or we will choose to flight and avoid God. That is the beauty of lament. Lament truly is a language, a prayer, a way of relating to God in honesty. It is the prayer that keeps us in relationship with God, even in the midst of our suffering. So remember the ice cream. I'm not really looking for ice cream. I'm longing for the day when we will see people united in love with one another, and united with love, with God in love. The amazing thing is, is that God has that same longing for us. God longs to be with us, and for as much as we wait and we suffer, God waits to be in union with us. Jesus' prayer right before he died, in the book of John, it says, my prayer is not for them alone, Listen to Jesus' longing for you, for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Such beautiful longing. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. You see, the same way that we long, Jesus longs for us. So not only does lament give us the language to understand and to speak into that conflict and that waiting and that pain, but it also gives us an idea, an opening into God's heart for us. And that is the beauty of lament. It is the vehicle that with Christ we pray, that we can cry out against injustice, that we can cry out how long. Let's pray. Here, Jesus with you, teach us to cry out how long. 
Lord, grant us the grace to know and to feel our pain and to suffering, but to know that even more than that, that you are very present in the midst of it all, and that you too hunger and you wait for the day when you will wipe the tears from our eyes and bring us all together with you in complete and total unity. We thank you, give us courage as your people to go forth in boldness, knowing that you are with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.